Welcome to the Via Podcast. My name's Nick Mins. Uh, finally back. A uh, bit of time off. Uh, apologies in advance. Uh, I uh, tested positive for COVID, so if I you hear me sniffling a lot or having a cough, do apologise. But it is uh, is what it is at the moment. Uh, tonight, uh, I'm lucky to be joined by a really good friend of mine. Um, also, he's a football coach at the club that uh, that I'm at, uh, and he's also the club chairman as well. Just generally a great bloke, Gary Neve. Um, brilliant to have you on, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good, and uh, really glad to be on. Really nice to have a talk and uh, try and try and help people and trying to open their eyes to it. Yeah, I'm. I'm you know, I mean, we've. We haven't really kind of touched on loads, have we, me and you? But we've, you know, we kind of know that we've both been in some situations and we've, if you like, we've, um, we're dealing with stuff. Um, so to be honest, we're like, obviously being a football coach as well. Um, I know there's probably guys out there who, and, and girls who are, who are coaching who are probably uh, having these, these same issues. So mm. I kind of thought it would be a good idea to have someone on like yourself. Yeah, well, like I say, it was, it was a privilege, Nick, because um, I think I think it goes under the radar too much. I think it, there's a lot of quietness around it. And, you know, you kind of sometimes think, who do I approach? Who do I approach? Um, so I think for me, you know, coming on, if, even if I can make one person go and speak to someone, you know, through this, it, it's we've done a double job. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that was always how, how I looked at this. This in general really was if I can help just one person, that's that. That's what it was all about, really. Yeah. If it just helps one person kind of realise they're not alone in what they're going through, because you know I know what that feels like. Yeah. So, kind of getting into it, guys. Um, I mean, what's your, if you like, what's your kind of dealings with mental health, um, and also like a little bit of background into when things started for you. Um, well, what I've got is um, health anxiety, um, where. My head goes straight to the worst. Um, there is no go-between. It is to the worst possible scenario. Um, now, I think this started when I was a child because I was brought up as a one parent and my mum kind of kind of put everything on me. So if you weren't feeling the best that day or, you know, we'd sit and talk and I had no brothers and sisters I could speak to. So I think a lot of it I kept to myself, Nick. Um over the years, you just, you know, people say, you're all right. Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, no problems at all. And I just think as I've got older and life's changed in so many ways, I think it's just kind of hit me. Um, well, it hit me certainly three years ago. Um, and then you start realising there's a problem here. But you don't admit it. You're too, you're too proud. You know, you've got kids in front of you that you're trying to put an act on in front. And... The act is pretty easy to put on. Anyone could put the act on, but you've got to go home and you've got to try and put your head on the pillar at night. And, you know, that's when it, it all hurts and you get upset with yourself. So can you think of, because um, I, uh, I've, I've, I've really struggled with, um, with alpha anxiety, like massively. Mm-hmm. Um, can you think of, obviously, I know you said about being brought up in a one family and stuff was there any any kind of situation which maybe arose which um attributed to you kind of having these anxieties around health at all yeah um i mean it, it's no fear i think most people are 
my mum's always been frightened by death. Um, it's been a you know a major thing with my mum where she'd maybe sit there on a night and say, "So what's the matter, mum?" And she'd say, "I'm having them thoughts." What thoughts? So it's kind of been inbred this huge death thought in my head. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of made me turn around and just say, you know, I'm fine, I'm fine with it and stuff like that. But kind of once you're on your own, it's you're not fine with it. And it, like I say, it was hard to say to my mum, you know, about these thoughts. You know, you, you try and just channel them away, but you don't. Yeah, you kind of put them in a lock box and keep them at the back. And like you say, you can um, you can keep up the charade if you like, and you can put the happy face on for everybody. And it doesn't seem it doesn't seem hard to do. Mm. What what the, the issue is is like you say is when you go home, then you've got to you kind of take the mask off, and then that's when everything comes through which you've been holding back. Do you know, yeah. it's almost like. Uh, like the wall holding back a dam and slowly it's cracking, but you're just kind of plastering it up every now and then just to kind of keep it going. Yeah. But before long, you know, that water, you know, that you know for a fact that water's going to come rushing through and there's nothing mm. that you're going to be able to do about it. Um, so obviously you've, you've talked about uh, like, like, you know, like death and stuff like that, you know, that fear of death. Um, so you say your mum, your mum um, was 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 scared of, was it like if you like yeah. afraid of death. What it was was it was just a, a general. You'd sit there on a night talking, and obviously, as I found as as I'm sure you have, Nick, the hardest parts when you go to bed on the night, and that can set you up for the next couple of days. So my mum would maybe just say to me, just for a bed, oh, I've had them thoughts, Gar. And I said, which thoughts, ma'am? Oh, them death ones, you know. Oh, but I, I put my head under the covers and I hide away from it. But then you've got to go in that, you, you know, your own bedroom and then lay there and the thoughts just ignite and it's it kinds of a, it's a horrible, horrible world. Yeah, I mean, I used to have a, I used to have a routine on a night time. I'd go to bed and um, so, so a little bit of background on mine, guys. Is, mm. Mine's been kind of fueled a lot by... Uh, things with my dad. My dad's been kind of quite ill uh, yeah. in, in and out of hospital since probably for about the last like 20 odd years, you know, in and out of hospital. There's been several times that he's been on intensive care and, you know, there's, there's been times where he's been having fits. He was in a coma for, I think it was about 20 something hours, you know, and, mm. uh, and then it, it just blacked out. There's been all these different things, but then there's also been a lot of bereavement in my family as well. There's been, a lot of things around cancer. Uh, I think within about, within about ten, like a ten-year period, I'd lost my um, my nana, or both nanas, both granddads, um, an auntie and an uncle, mm. my father-in-law. Um, so yeah, there was oh God. There was probably about I'd probably say about ten, maybe twelve deaths in the family within like it was almost like one a year. Yeah. Um, but I, you know what? One of them that really stood out to me was my uncle. Uh, he was always kind of quite a bubbly guy, and you know, larger than life character. Mm. Um, and then one, he just went to where uh, went to bed one night and had an heart attack. Do you right. know? Okay. Yeah. Um, so one of my things that that happened, I think, because it kind of happened in a way that it did in my mind, 
if I went to bed on a night time, I'd straight away start, I'd lay down on the pillow and I'd be thinking, what's that pain? Is that pain something serious? Oh, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. What if I don't wake up in the morning? What yeah. if I, um, have I told everybody that I love them? Have I told my mum? Have I, have I put things in place just in case I don't wake up in the morning? It's just all these things, like you say, you go to bed and then all of a sudden it's just like this absolute rush of emotion mm. where you just feel like you've got no control over it whatsoever. Yeah, I agree. I also found it that um, I know what we're speaking about there with the the emotion stuff like that, but I've found that there's too many triggers in this world during the day. Um, simple things. What people people might just be driving to work in the morning don't realise what it can do. Simple, you know, driving to work in the morning. The heavenly services advert that comes on tele, uh, the radio. Oh God! Yeah. So, yeah. so you've got that one, okay? Then you're driving down a little bit further. The Macmillan one comes, okay? Um, from there, you'll maybe look at social media on your phone, and suddenly the cancer research is asking for a pound. And these are all these little triggers where, in man in your world, Nick, it's fire and it's evil, and it's it's them ones that suddenly start you. Um, We'll just start the mind working. I had one a couple of weeks back when, uh, you know, a famous footballer had passed away. Now, that's another trigger. You know, bang. What? You know, in man, in your mind, Nick, you go start researching. Well, how's he dad? What's been the cause of it? Before you know it, you're researching symptoms. You're checking. You're filtering your own body, and it, it's it's a horrible process that I feel that we go through. Yeah, it it's it's it was I think it kind of took me com- completely by surprise when it when it kind of snuck up on me because I think for years I knew something was was going on with me. Um I kind of had a, an inkling that there was kind of like depression and anxiety that was that was there. Mm. But the health thing, I think I kind of for the longest time I felt like I had to be okay. So um, like my health wise and everything, I had to be the one who was okay because I was the one who was going to have to go to my dad's hospital or go do this, go do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Look at look after my mum if my dad was in hospital, and you know, because I mean, my, my dad's me, my, my dad's kind of you know, he's got he's had that many things bless him. Mm. He's I mean he's still going strong. You know he's what sixty something now. My dad and you know to look at him now, you won't think all these things have happened. It, yeah. it's crazy um i mean my mum's my mum's disabled and it, it's like when those things happen you kind of feel like you've got a bit of one that has to be well you, you yeah. know you can't look at you see like even like having covid now i see covid like some people see it as you know what you've got an illness you've caught it you're gonna have a bit of time off enjoy yeah. that time I, mm. and for me i i always feel like i can't enjoy that time because it feels like an inconvenience. And plus it's kind of like, I don't like being ill. Yeah. I don't like being ill because then it starts, you know, circulating them thoughts again in my head. But I also think, you know, the situation that you're in now, because I had it last year with the, the COVID, because you're confined in the house, it, you are more vulnerable, I think. I think the thought process of, you know, the television can sway your mind, the social media can sway your mind. And this vicious cycle of COVID as well can 
just sway your mind. And it's it's a horrible 10 days isolation, which I found was was hard. You know, you mm. can't go out. You can't, and you know, you do speak to the people in the house, but they kind of don't realise them triggers, you know, and you're trying to fight them triggers as well as try and get better from COVID, really. You yeah. Know? And I mean, it's I mean, hard. That's, that's the thing in it as well, you know, you you look at it with like COVID. COVID really is, a, is for someone, you know, like me and yourself who suffer from health anxiety, it's, it's a nightmare. It, it's yeah. an absolute nightmare because... It's even down to, like, last year, I was, like, obsessed. And I mean obsessed with finding out how many cases there were, how many deaths, is it going up, is it going down, you know, keeping people around me safe. And um, I think, if anything, me catching COVID now has made me quite annoyed at myself because I kind of felt like I've been too, um, you know, I've, you know, I've, I've just took my foot off the gas. I should yeah. have been as safe as possible. I should still be wearing a mask everywhere I'm going, sanitising. I mean, I still do sanitise. Every day, every time we're at the field, do you know what I mean? I'm still sanitising my hands and spraying the footballs and everything. Um, but it's, do you know, it, the thing is, it gets exhausting. It gets yeah. mentally exhausting because you're kind of constantly looking for those things which, uh, you know, are, I want to make sure that this this is not happening, you know, uh, this isn't getting in the house, you know, spraying yeah. things, even like wiping door handles. And it's just, you know, it's mm. really, really kind of amplified, I think, for health anxiety as, as kind of like this pandemic has definitely had a had more of an issue with people kind of obsessing about the health, especially. Yeah, I mean, you know, if we're speaking about COVID, just with this health anxiety, just going the injection okay and then you hear the 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 thing that they brought out that there was blood clots you know straight away i've had it done and i'm self-checking myself i'm feeling my neck you know and this is only maybe half an hour to 45 minutes i'm questioning my head do i feel all right you know am i feeling a little bit well i've got a bit of tingle there my aunt i wonder what that is you know and all through that process just of a simple covid injection you know what everyone else is having and you know the world's having it it was just made me feel vulnerable and you know I'm, I'm questioning people at home well how do you feel with your arm and then they give you that reassurance but then that only lasts a couple of hours till you yeah. get another sensation which i'm sure you're aware of yeah definitely i mean i i you know i must have done my mrs edding you know with the obsessing about oh do you think this is okay do you think you know Will I be all right? You know, you you do find yourself, don't you? Just kind of mm. looking for that reassurance from people because it's almost like you say it in your head, but you just don't believe it. Mm. So, I mean, I've been, I, I was going to doctors for, God, for months. I mean, I had my appendix out in, I want to say 2019. Yeah. Early 2019, I had my appendix out. And because I still had an ache down that side, although I've got sciatic issues, I've got back issues and things, although um, I was having this pain, I'd gone on Google, searched something, and then all of a sudden this thing had come up with stump appendicitis and it had killed this young lad. And straight away, I was like, I must have that. That's yeah. what I've got. Yeah. And then it was trips to the doctor and the doctor saying, look, it's probably still with your back. You know, you've got you've got nerves which run up all these different parts. And I'd walk out the doctor's surgery, be like, oh, thank God, you know. I'd get halfway home, and then that little voice in my head would go, 
what if he's wrong? You know, yeah. what if he's missed something? It happens, you know, it happens. Yeah. yeah. And then and then I'd get home and I'd be like, that was a complete waste of time. And then I was doing that maybe at one point, I was doing it at least once a week going to doctors, you know, to see about this thing. It was just getting ridiculous because, and then I was just worrying myself and, and you know, just, just working myself into an absolute frenzy about things. Yeah. Um, that it just got to the point where I had to kind of, I think in a way, like give in to it and just say, look, right, I need help. You know, I need help with this because yeah. you're just getting exhausting. Well, what I can say to you is, you know, that point where you've just said there about the doctors, um, there was a point where I'd put my back out at work and it was just a normal put my back out situation. I knew in my head I'd put it out. I felt it when I bent and I stretched. And, you know, not many people know this one, but I spent a lot of time researching back pain. Now, Mr. Google, I call him now. Okay, Mm -hmm. Mr. Google doesn't give you an easy, you've sprained your back. You know, we start going to the back tumours and the back cancers and stuff like that. And I remember, and I know I did my family's heading with this one to a point of, it was horrible. But I must have spent seven different days at a walking centre with the same back pain, with the same doctors telling me nothing was wrong. You know, you've just pulled your back. Coming away, oh, yeah, I feel better for that. The reassurance has gone. And then going back in again, even to a point two weeks later, I must have visited the walking centre 14 times to a point where the doctor said, you have to stop coming here. And suddenly you realise that was the trigger, Nick, where I thought, I need help here. There's something wrong 14 times with the same problem. Mm. And then, you know, coming home and researching. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Google's, you know, Google's so so dangerous for that in a way because the the way that the algorithms are made with Google is so when you search anything, half the time it brings up, you know, you so say for example, if you were to, um, if you were to look for, I don't know, common cold or flu, yeah, it'd bring like if you like maybe like WebMD and uh, is it like NHS first, which are kind of like the, the two main sites. Then after that, it's anything which kind of has, if you like, the most searches. Mm. So that could be, so you could get cold and flu, and then your next search could be, I don't know, something like um, uh, lung cancer. Yeah. But it's because people have looked at that and then Google straight away algorithms it, so they become linked together. Mm. So then straight away, you're going looking for fingers of a common cold and then you're getting led straight to lung cancer. Yeah. So it's like, oh, my God, do you know, well, could I have cancer? I've got this, I've had this thing in my chest. Oh, could it be, Could this be my lungs? Oh, wait a minute, that feels a bit odd. Oh, what if that's that? And, and then it just leads to one thing. It just, it just spirals. It just yeah. completely spirals out of control. Well, I had another episode where... Um... I, I do. I, it's a, it's a, I know the answer to this one, but I have a, a benign skip beat that happens. I take a bit, a blocker for it. It's no, there's no, there's no big deal with it. Um, but I, I must have spent months, you know, when I get this skip beat, you know, like you said, you go to bed on the night. Am I waking up in the morning? Mm. You know, to a point where I give myself, and I know, I give myself a panic attack. So much so that 
I think it was one o'clock in the morning, we had an ambulance at the house. Okay. Me thinking I was having a heart attack. I wasn't. They took me to Hull Royal. Quickly, you suddenly start thinking, I'm wasting people's time here. Um, they send you to the clinic. They say, I was there for a full day. They, you know, they kept me in and they said, you're absolutely fine. There's no issues. It's just a benign skip beat. You come home, say, yeah, I'm all right. You get the skip beat and the process starts again. You know, the doctors must be wrong here. And that's when that vicious circle just goes and goes. And uh, it just led me towards getting the, the therapy, you know, the CBT uh, therapy um, for the for the 12 week period. But you still got to work at that, even though you've had it, Nick. Yeah. It, do you know what I say, guys? It, it, it takes, I think people think that, especially with like things like, like mental health is, when you've, when you've had a therapy, so when you've had CBT, you have your course of CBT and then that's it. Do you know, mm. oh, it's sorted. in like that. Do yeah. you know, you, you can have CBT once. You could be all right for maybe two years, three years. And then all of a sudden you think, you know, I, I, need, I need it again. And yeah. you need to go back. Um, and like you say, you, you get all these tools and then it's about what you do with them tools and how it helps you along. Yeah. You know, it, it's never just as simple as, oh, go see the doctors or go go start taking meds and go, you know, go talk to someone and then that's it. it mm. It's not as cut and dry as that. It's it's so much more complex than than that. I mean, I've, I've literally just finished. Last Monday, I got I had my last um, session of CBT for my depression. Well, that means I've, I, like, I've been doing CBT for like 18 months altogether. Yeah. Um, so I did that. I did like eight months with health anxiety, mm. finished that and then went straight on to depression. So I didn't have a, I didn't really have a break from it. I kind of went straight through it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, for, for me, CBT has, it's helped. It's definitely helped because it's definitely given me tools to kind of think of things and, be able to rationalize um certain aspects that I wouldn't have rationalized before. You know, if you would have said to me, you know, beginning of 2020, that I'd be sitting here doing a podcast and talking about it, I'd have said no way because I didn't I, I didn't even want me, you know, my own family knowing that I was struggling yeah. as much as I was, never mind, you know, putting on the internet for, you know, God knows how many people to to kind of listen to. Um but I think it was it was definitely it was definitely good to to kind of say right I need you know I need that help it it yeah. was it was difficult it was it was probably one of the hardest things I had to do was because when you admit it that's when it kind of it's you that it's real in it that's Did how you I found though Nick that you know when you kind of admitted that to yourself because this is what I found did you find yourself questioning yourself with that though. Like, yeah. well, have, am I normal? You know, is it a problem? Is it maybe, maybe it's just what I'm being daft about, you know, and that reassurance, you're trying to get reassurance of people. You know, I'm a normal. I, I went for it for ages, mate. Even, mm. even certain times now, even though I know how normal it is really now, there's still times where I think that's not a normal way to be. That's not a normal way to think. Yeah. You know, how are people going to look at me from the outside looking in? 
If I start saying this, they're going to start thinking I'm... The way I used to think of it is, they're going to think I'm nuts. They're going to think I'm bonkers. You know, they're going to think I'm wired to the moon. Do you know what I mean? If I'm saying all these different things about my health and fearing of dying and I, I don't want I don't want to get this, I don't want to get that. And Yeah. You know, but it's like, it, it's like, you, that is the thing though, you kind of straight away latch on to it's, it's what's going on with you, you know. Yes you kind of pick apart everything that you're doing. So you might go to CBT, do a session of CBT, come away and go, you've just wasted her time. She could have been dealing with someone who actually needs it, mate. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, you need something else, not that. It's, you know, and there's always kind of like this, this thing of sometimes people say, I oh, just, you know, just put a smile on your face and get on with it. Or, you know, and, you know, if only it was that simple, that smile's easy enough to put on. Mm. but the thoughts that go with it just yeah they're not simple at all I found it at my worst there was a point where my head took over me and just say we had my birthday coming up or a Christmas or I don't know for for simple uh, I play a bit of PlayStation a game released okay my head would go to I'd maybe think I don't know oh Christmas is coming in four weeks then that other half of your head, that horrible side, used to say, yeah, but, you know, you might not make it to them. You know, and you think, to yourself, so you're now counting weeks away. You're now thinking to yourself that doubt of, am I going to make it to that? You know, and then you've got a football match on on a Sunday and you're waking up and, you know, you hear all the parents, oh, we did this, this, this weekend. And you're thinking, Jesus, if you only knew how I was, and I'm actually wondering, will I get to that Christmas? Yeah, and you still got to coach your team. You still got to. It's like you're somebody else because in that in that short space of time, that problem goes. But the minute you're putting the nets away and you're on your own again, that voice comes back in. I once remember speaking to Dave Kirby, who told me just an issue he'd had, and I went home and I researched everything Dave told me about hernia. I researched everything, Nick, just to check, even though I knew I didn't just to check I didn't have it. And people don't realise that them talking to you when they don't know you have a problem makes you go home and research. Mm. I mean... that vicious world. I'm I'm glad I'm not alone in that, Gaz, because there was um, a a friend of my son, his mum, she had gallstones. Mm. So she'd been into hospital um, and had gallstones and... Straight away, oh, gallstones. I wonder what the um, what the symptoms are of gallstones. Went on Google, had a look. Oh, it's an ache. Oh, I had an ache there. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Oh, oh, let's have a look. What? Oh, I've had that as well. Oh, no. Oh, I think I've got gallstones. Better go to the doctors. Better think. I mean, I had a bloody scam for gallstones. No gallstones. No, n- nothing. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, it's almost like once you've convinced yourself, that's it. It's, it's so hard to kind of go, look, right, you're, you know, you're over-exaggerating. They've had it, you know. It's as soon as that voice in your head says, oh, we might have this. What mm. if? What if? There's always a what if. That's what I always found. That, that's that word, that what if, what you just said, Nick, is that what if doesn't have an answer. Because mm. that what if is, well, what if I'm, I'm right now? Yeah, but what if you're not? You know, it just, that's the vicious circle that continuously goes around in my head. What if? And I, I when the minute you've just said, what if, it's like, when I was speaking to my counsellor, 
you know, we went through many ways of what if and what wasn't. And you realize that your head just builds this big ball and it throws it at you and says, right, now you deal with that. Deal with that and filter through all that. And I, I even said to um, Mandy and the kids, my head just feels like an x-ray machine. The minute I see something, it goes into a filter of, do I feel any of that? You know, and it's just, you, you feel as if you're a portable x-ray machine. Any twinge, any sensation you're aware of and you're touching, you're feeling, you know, and it's just, it's horrible. It really is. Uh, it, you know, it, it definitely felt like it It took over my... I think, I think if anything, it just felt like it took over me as, as a person, you know. I, I think for the longest time, I just... I became, I want, I want Nick, the, you know, the dad thing. I was, I was Nick, the catastrophizing warrior who was afraid of everything, you know, maybe not from the outside looking in, if you like, but once I was behind closed doors, you know, I, you know, just in my head, it was almost like a torrent every single day of what ifs. Yeah. You know, I mean, at one point, mate, I mean, you know, when I, when I thought I, you know, my, after my uncle died and stuff like that, and then I started getting all these different things on a night time, I was, I'd already planned my funeral, mate. I'd already yeah. planned, how, how, how was, how the kids and the, like, the wife were going to be looked after because I was that convinced that, you know, I wasn't going to make it. It's like, say, say for example, I had, um, I'd like, a, I, it was like a, like, bursitis in my, in my elbow, hmm. um, and it swelled up to, like, the size of a tennis ball, and then I got cellulitis in my yeah. arm, so right into my fingers and up my arm, into my shoulder, um, and at one point, they were thinking I might develop sepsis because the infection had spread so quick, Um and I had to kind of go into hospital. Now, up to that point, I really kind of had a prolonged stay in hospital. Uh, they put me on a stroke ward because they had no beds, so I had to go on a stroke ward. I was, uh, I mean, you know, this is what thing. So I was like 34, 33, 34 at the time hmm. on a ward with Alzheimer's patients, people who were literally just on a machine are not awake. They've got tubes hanging out of them. Mm. Um, there was a guy on the, on the ward across the way, or he used to say morning to, he ended up dying. And there's all these different things. And when I came out of hospital after all of that, it kind of added to this thing of um, my health anxiety. And I think as well, because I'd, for the longest time I'd looked at my dad, my dad's health, and I had to be the one that was well. Mm. And then when I want well, it made me feel completely, I think, powerless and yeah. so vulnerable because I was like, oh God, like what's my family gonna do? I'm not there now. Do you know, like, like what mm. if what if I don't make it out of hospital? What if I, you know, I, I what if I, I go home and then I'm I'm ill for the rest of my life and stuff like that? Do you know, all these really yeah, yeah. kind of you know really when I look back I think god I can't even believe it it went from zero to a hundred at the click of her fingers mm. 
I've got to ask you though, Nick, do you, do you not find that, you know, you can be sat somewhere or you, you can be on a football pitch, okay, and you can be talking to a parent and you'll hear them talking. Do you not find the minute you hear someone's not well or they've had a bit of help, do you find that you're really inquisitive to it, you know, you, you kind of, all right, okay, and suddenly your mind takes over and you, you're channeling and you can't hold back, you can't stop that. You want to know the symptoms, you want to know how did they feel, what did it do? And at my worst, you know, I was questioning everyone. You know, my next door neighbour just went, oh, I've got a bit of a backache. Why? What, what's wrong? You know, straight away. And then you come away from that thing, what do I feel that? And it, it kind of becomes an annoying habit that you can't shake off. And that, that was my issue. I, I couldn't shake it off. Simple thing. I remember when, you know, the cameras were at Hull Royal um, and I used to sit and watch the thing on programme. I had to stop watching it. They brought a guy in with a cardiac arrest. He did my head in for five days, that. You know, I knew everything. And they say, no, usually they come in and we can't resuscitate and we can't do this and seconds are valuable. And I'm thinking, what happens if I do that and you can't go somewhere? You know, and there's no one around to save me in that space of time. And so now I've stopped watching programmes like that. I've, I've limited social media um, because I know it makes me vulnerable. And now the kids know, and Mandy knows in the house, if anything like that comes on telly, they change the channel instantly. Oh, we're not watching this, no way. And it goes off. And luckily, I maybe haven't had 10, 15 seconds of hearing what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 don't do it, I don't watch. So say, for example, I won't watch anything like, so say, for example, 24 hours in a and &E. I won't watch ambulance programmes. Um, I won't watch anything where it kind of involves anybody being in an emergency situation, being rushed into like a hospital or mm. anything like that. Because um, for, for me, that's a trigger. Yeah. That That's a trigger for me. Like it doesn't only um, bring back things like from health anxiety, from like myself and, and, and like, oh my God, them things, you know, like, like you say, like see someone like a young, like a young lad coming in, with a heart thingy, you think, oh, no, that's a that's a that's a guy with a oh, he's a young lad. Like, yeah. wait a minute, I'm 30, I'm 36, 37. Like, you know, what if, what if, what if? Mm. Um there's also like I can't watch him because it kind of brings like a little bit of a little bit of PTSD with, with my dad, like yeah. being in hospital and stuff. So I can't really watch I, I don't really like to watch anything like that. And to be honest with you. Um, me and the missus, we kind of steer away from those sorts of mm. of shows, really. Yeah, I think. I mean, it was you know just you know to make more people aware of it, Nick. You know, a simple group chat that me and you're in. I'm, I'm sure you felt this, and, and I have. When we was talking about the defib, you remember when the footballers were, you know, a couple of mad heart attacks, stuff like that. And I think Kirby put in the group. He put, you know, how long would it take us to get to that? There's a trigger. There's yeah. a big trigger. You know, actually, yeah, what would happen if, and then it just, you know, the ball rolls, as you know it does. Um, and you, there's sometimes you can put a barrier in place and you can get over it, but there's sometimes where you can't, that barrier is just exposed. And then you're left maybe, it's like a, going on an alcoholic binge, I guess, you know, where you have three or four drinks on a weekend and it get escalates and then it goes to three or four days. And then you just drop down again until the next hit comes. Yeah, until that next thing, until that next trigger happens, 
and then it kind of just starts a cycle all over again, doesn't it? Mm. I mean, yeah. you, you, you talk, so say, for example, you talk about that, that defib thing and, and the way that escalates them thoughts in your mind. So, you know, you'll kind of go from so thinking, right, how long is it going to take? You yeah. know, so say someone, you know, I mean, I was, is it it's catastrophizing? That's what, mm. that's what I do. You kind of go to the worst case scenario straight away. Um, so, so say for example, a similar sort of thing to like the defig thing of thinking, right? Yeah, what if, what if, you know, how long is it going to take to get from? So, if someone was to think in one of the mini pitches, how long is it going to take us to get round to that? Um, changing room, get the defib, get it back, and you know what I mean. It's all mm. them things. I went through a phase of when my dad's like health was at his worst, and he was in and out of hospital like like regularly, and then he was having like really bad episodes in like which was landed him in um, ICU and everything. It was it was like horrible, but I was finding myself looking to change jobs, and yet when I was looking to change jobs. A lot of people had, had changed jobs and think, oh, right, I need to change job because it's better money, it's more of a career progression, it's, it's you know, things that are kind of centred really around them. Mm. I was doing it thinking, I was actually calculating. So say, for example, I was I was thinking, oh, if I got a job in Willoughby, which I ended up getting one at um, Iceland in Willoughby, I was calculating how long it would take me to get a to, to walk from um, Iceland to my mum's house if yeah. they needed me in an emergency. I actually ended up doing it a couple of times and timed it. Uh, that thing's like finding what the taxi times would be if I was up there. Or when I worked at my old thing, it was how long it would take me to get from there to the hospital. How long would it take me to get... It was all these like ridiculous things. I think this is just not a healthy way. Mm to look at life and everything being on like dictated in how long is it going to take me to, to get from A to B? You know, yeah. that's how I always used to look at it. I needed to be from A to B in a certain time. It needed to be almost like when I needed, when I was needed, I needed to be able to click my fingers and I'd be straight into, you know, what I was going to be doing. And it just, yeah. it just used to absolutely control everything that I did. You know, this this catastrophizing and thinking the worst case scenario. Oh, but, but what if I can't get to my mum's house in time? You know mm. what I mean? Like, if, if they need me, what if I can't get to hospital in time? What if I can't get home if the kids need me? What if I can't get home if the wife needs me? Do you know, all these, like, or if I'm out on the field, have I got a, have I got my pinger on my phone so people know where I am in case I, I've done that before. Like, think, oh, what if I have an ass attack in the middle of the field? That yeah. that's that's something I'd, I'd done before. Ridiculous, I say really. I say I say ridiculous, but to me and you, that just seems like a normal thing to do. Yeah, that, that's people, a normal thing with it. Yeah, people are probably, you know, I think God, that's just that's so extreme, but mm. it just becomes the norm to do. I, I mean, just when you were speaking there, because like you, I've had the treatment, and you know, every day is a battle. I noticed, and maybe no one would notice this, from just maybe a parent speaking to you on a football pitch, Nick, wouldn't know what I've just picked up from you there, the amount of what-ifs you've just said. Mm. You know, the amount of what-ifs that I know that are triggers, you know, and just learning from that, 
I know how many times you've just said what if. Yeah. You know, and other people don't know that what if. They don't know how powerful that what if is. I watched, um, I don't know if you watched it, but, you know, keeping with the football thing, I watched the Paul Merson thing the other night. Yeah. Um, and I, it kind of, I said to Mandu, it's kind of just helped me this because they did his brain analysis. I don't know if you saw it. Um, and basically, when he saw anything gambling, okay, his brain waves went bright. So his full brain lit up where all these nerve receptors did it. And I said to Mandy, I said, this is the same as my brain. This is the same as everyone what has got the self-anxiety. The minute the radio, you know, the heavenly services or the Macmillan or the TV, man in your head, Nick, pick up and it gets, this is my wavelength, this. Mm. And suddenly, just kind of like it did Paul Merson, the gambling and it, you know, sucks him in. You know, the health anxiety sucks us in. It's a part of the brain that you try training, but every day there's a battle. You know, every day you're trying to kind of have a bat in your mind and smack the, you know, the, them triggers away. Yeah, it's like someone's pitching them to you, like in a game of cricket or a mm. game of baseball. Someone's pitching these fingers and you're just whacking them away. You're just trying to, you know, and sometimes them triggers, I don't know if you've found it, Gaz, but you wear them triggers on the radio and it don't register straight away until no. you're on your own or yeah. until you're, you're left alone with your thoughts. As soon as you do that, that's when you start kind of going back to, otherwise that, I mean, what, like say, for example, when I was planning my, when I pretty much planned my own funeral, do you know what I mean? And stuff when it went, when my thing was at my worst and I'd, uh, I'd, I'd heard a couple of them adverts on the radio and I was thinking, yeah. oh yeah, there was that advert on the radio. I wonder what that number is. I wonder what that website is. I wonder, and I was just, you know, like, yeah. Cannot believe, like, but it almost went. I went straight back to the. But I'd, I'd kind of been in the car and heard it, not thought of it at the time, and then it had almost just. It's like almost my um my man took a quick, a quick uh, like like recording of it. Right, we'll have that one for later. We'll yeah. just play. We'll just play that back when you're on your own. Don't worry about it. I mean, I can't even have a sore throat, Nick. I can't at my worst, or if I'm having a bad day. I can't have a simple sore throat without thinking it's throat cancer. It just cannot and will not allow me to have that normal thought what most people have. I just go to chemist and get some throat lozenges. I can't do that. I have to go through them reassurances of, it's like a checklist. Yeah. Do I, do I have that? Oh, is there a lump in my neck? Does my throat feel normal? And then, why is my throat feeling normal? And before you know it, you're at tumours, you're at lung cancer. You've gone from a simple throat to catastrophic. Till, you, till then, you, you know, you get upset, you start crying, you're on your own, and it's always just as your head touched the pillar as well. You know, then ones where, I tell you what, I'll just give you one more fright before you go to sleep. What happens if you don't wake up in the morning? And then... You know, before you know it, you're up at work. You've only had three or four hours sleep. You know, and it's, you think to yourself, right, I've got a late one tonight because it's training. You know, yeah. and it's just before you know it, you're back in bed again and you think, well, where did that day go? But it's also draining. I found, a, found myself at my worst quite tired. I didn't want to go out. But then if I didn't go out, it would just progress and it would get worse. And the best thing I did was reach out 
and I, I went through it all and you feel stupid. You feel stupid at first because at, at the time, Nick, I don't know what your therapy was, but I was basically typing at a screen. You know, my therapy was with a, an online person and we were typing, talking. I didn't even see this face. You know, it was a, a time slot that I had to make and I wrote and we, we typed. I typed and I typed and I typed to a point where I kind of realised the issues and I realised the problems. And I would advise anybody, anybody who just thinks to themselves, yeah, this is daft, this. it's not daft. It's not daft. I mean, Dave Kirby, Nikki, you know, there's many people at Springhead who always say to us, come and talk to us. You know, this is what we're here for. And they are, they're very, very good people. But sometimes it's so hard. Mm. And you feel silly, you know, just with the simple throat thing. You know, hey, Dave, do you think I've got cancer with you? What are you on about, Nimsy? Of course you aren't. But you've got to go home and filter it all out. And it's just a long, draining process. It, it is, mate. It, it, it's, I mean, it, it's funny because it's funny that, we, that we've talked about this today because I was going through my podcast earlier on from my early my early podcast that I did. Um, and one of them that I did was on health anxiety. And the health anxiety one, as I I probably have a two or three times more plays than the rest of them. And it's yeah. I just found it really interesting that yeah. I just thought today, God, the health anxiety ones had like 150 something plays. You know, that's that's unreal, you know. And for me, like I always kind of thought health anxiety was maybe not as common, if you like. As 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 much as kind of like depression and and you know just general anxiety disorder or PTSD, but the more I kind of talk to people, the more you start realizing that it is a really common problem. Yeah, you know, and I think sometimes it gets mixed in with the fact that it's just seen as a general anxiety disorder, but it isn't. I think health anxiety is more niched because it's obviously general anxiety is kind of having that anxiety about a lot of different things. It's just a way that your mind, if you like, escalates and circulates thoughts. Yeah. But health anxiety is very much, it's it's like a focused, um, it's like a focused illness, really, if yeah. you like, do you know? Um, it, it, it's focusing on things that affect you and the people around you, but it's all your body. And, and then that's where that, that kind of catastrophizing comes from and, and thinking the worst things are going to happen. You know, you're not going to wake up in the morning. You're not going to see Christmas. You're not going to, you know, luckily now I'm, I'm in a slightly better place um, with my health anxiety. However, there will be maybe, I'll probably say nearly every day, I'll have a, some thought that I have to kind of deal with. You know, yeah. whether it be a thought like, like you say, you've just seen someone on TV, something's just popped up on, on uh, Facebook, on Instagram, on, you know, you've just seen an advert on, on the radio. Mm. Those triggers are all trigger. You know, I think people see triggers as being, you know, something that is kind of always bad. Do you know what I mean? As in, yeah. They see it as oh, it's got to be a, a trigger. Will be something like suicide. It'll be someone like doing something serious to themselves. It's like a trigger can be something as simple as someone saying, "Poor, I tell you what, I've had this really bad throat for yeah. a long time now." That's straight away like you've had it for a long time. How long you had it for? 
Oh, yeah. when did that start? What symptoms you had? What what you've been using to try and think it? Have you been to doctors? Have you been to hospital? You know what I mean? All these mm. different things start rolling on and then something that seems so mundane to someone else has then straight away become this kind of like massive thing. You know, it's just, it really just seems like it just explodes. Mm. I know you mentioned the the thought process of the, the suicide thing, Nick, and, you know, a lot of people, unfortunately, have no adoption and that's what they do. One thing I've found with the self-anxiety, and certainly I was speaking to my counsellor, because as you know, they ask you questions about your well-being before you start a session. They they ask you to score it one to five or how worse it'd be. And my counsellor, I would always be able to say when we got to a certain question, she always used to ask, um, have you had any thoughts of suicide today? Yeah. And I once wrote, I just replied to it, there's no need to ask me that because... I'm that frightened to die, and this is part of my health anxiety, you know. And it was once it was, it wasn't like a joke or anything, but it was a, a, a one that I could say, you don't even need to ask me that, you know. I'm trying to all my battles is trying to stay here mm. and try to stay healthy and try. So that's one thing I know I'd never do. But you know, it was just a question that always used to stick out when she asked me. It was like, what are you asking me that for? You know, you know it's interesting you said that because me and the wife were having we had a. We had a talk last night. I can't. I was watching. Um, oh, we watched. Uh, I think we watched something like Twenty Four Hours in Police Custody, and there was there was talking about. It was basically a kind of. It, there was kind of cases with. Um, I think it was like people who were like young offenders, but when they'd look back, they'd all had these. They'd all been abused by some certain person, and it affected the mental health. And some of them were self harming and stuff like that. And we. Me and the, the, the you know the wife we 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 started talking about these sort of things because you know that's one thing I will say we're really good at that is kind of being able to just kind of talk in mm. general about it and you know we 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 talk instead about um have you where uh, have you ever like thought about you know killing yourself or harming yourself and I said to be honest with you. Because of my health anxiety, I kind of see as much as my health anxiety has been, I think one of them things which has really had a, an effect on me. It's also probably something which has saved me from having them thoughts. Yeah. Because but is there a possibility that I could have thought about, you know, ending things in another way if I didn't have health anxiety? Yeah, it could happen to anybody. Mm. But like you say, I couldn't even self-arm it because I'd be frightened I'd cut myself too deep. Yeah. yeah do you know yeah. what I mean? Like stuff like that. Yeah. Or I can't. And do you know what I said? This is what I said. I said, like, the thing is, you know, like people would go, well, I've got a razor and I cut my wrist. I'd be going, right, I've got a razor. Right. Is that razor clean? It's, oh, what if that's got dirt on it? What if it's rusty and I cut myself? And then I'm going to get blood poisoning. No, no, and I can't. You know, just stuff like yeah. that. Something as simple as what, Dave kind of sees a self-harming thing I couldn't do because I'd be frightened it would escalate to something else. Yeah, so that that was always what you know that that question that you said came up. Yeah, that was always what I always used to mark the thing. Not at all because yeah, yeah. I, you know as much as I had thoughts of of kind of do you know what I think my family you know when I was at my worst family would be better off without me. But mm. I never thought right I'm going to kill myself. I'd just walk away somewhere. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I'd go hard. I don't know where, but I would. 
but I couldn't ever think of killing myself because like the thought of death just scared me so much. Yeah, yeah. But I also found that with us kind of having this anxiety, we will go and listen to anybody, Nick. We will listen to anyone. We'll, we, you know, as a football coach, how many parents talk to you and the kids talk to you. And they tell you the lives. You're, you're that hero. You're that, when you walk on the field, like I've had, you know, people run up to me and, Gary, you know, even though they don't play for me, you're that hero that walks onto that pitch and you, you absorb everybody, you absorb every story. But then that lonely place, that drive home in the car, you know, and you think collectively what everyone's told you that night about what's going on in their lives. Mm. But I found with anxiety, you you suck it up more. You know, you suck it up more and you take a deep breath and you walk away and then you sit there on a night after it and you're trying to go through it. And just them little triggers come back and just just like a, a, a cushion, you know, with getting pins in it and you're trying to filter through and it, it's so hard. It really is at times. Oh, it's it is, mate. It's... It's it's definitely been a challenge having that completely. Mm. Um, it it's it's you know I say in certain ways it's helped me kind of you know learn things about myself and it's also kind of let helped me. I think real you know, kind of realised that it wasn't healthy the way that I was trying to to do things before. Do you know, like just getting obsessed to the point of making myself ill. Yeah. And that's, I think, one thing that it does, isn't it? You know, you spend you spend your time trying not to make yourself ill or trying to fight off illness, and then you end up making yourself ill because you're not sleeping, you're not, you know, you you're trying so hard to to kind of keep these things at bay that you just get so exhausted, and then before you know it, then you you kind of are ill. But if you're like in a slightly different way to what you thought you would, yeah, it's right now, you know. Because of where I am and the, where I'm at now, so I'm at a stage now where some days I can control it, some days I can't. But if somebody at work or someone I'm talking to starts speaking about something they think I have or they think that they have, because I've researched it that much and it sounds like I'm thinking to myself, no, you haven't got that. You haven't got the yeah. symptoms. You just instantly know. And they're like, yeah, but you know, I'm going to go to doctor and you're thinking, I'm telling you, I, I mean, I, I can tell you certain parts of the body where what tubes come out, what does this, because my mind has gone through every position, every joint, everything on the liver or a heart or a major organ that can kill you. I kind of, you know, you try and make yourself a, a know-it-all body parts. Yeah. But when it comes to you, that shield goes and you don't know anything. But when you're hearing it, you're like, no, you haven't got that. But the minute it comes to you, it's like, well, that could be. That doesn't yeah. feel right. So it's, it's totally different from someone telling you to then going home and self-analyzing yourself. The X-ray machine, as I call it. Yeah. Well, it is really, isn't it? You know, you, you are literally breaking everything down and and uh, trying to analyze everything and, and I suppose try and make sense of it in a way that only you can, in a way. You know, it's an odd one to say, really, but... Um, with regards to kind of football coaching, because uh, I think this would be an interesting thing to kind of touch on. It, you know, I, I was um, I was just kind of impacted on that. as it you know, as it not really impacted at all? Or um, 
No, I wouldn't say it's, I wouldn't say it's impacted because, as you know, Nick, people with our condition, we're very good at putting an act on. We're very yeah. good at, um, yeah, we're all right. Um, I mean, you know, I, I had someone in the in the team, uh, well, Reese Berry recently, uh, unfortunately, uh, a dad had um, quite poorly with cancer and, you know, brain tumour. And, you know, I'm having to deal with that. But for some reason, this one didn't really affect me much. Whether it's because I knew these this family so well that he's been with me, this lad had been with me so many years, and I've actually seen the granddad come who had the tumour, it didn't really make me question it. And that was the thing when I was coming on thinking, well, this is weird, because usually I'd be filtering this. And, you know, maybe it was because of the football, maybe the football match once had told me and I had something to take my mind off it. Maybe that did it, you know, um, or stuff like that. But I'd find doing training, training was one of the hardest things because you're having to think of a session. And for people that don't do coaching, you know, like a parent, a parent can just stand up and talk on the sidelines. We've got to, one, make sure there's a decent training session on because kids can get bored. Two, we've got to plan it. We've got to make sure it's all right and... You know, the kids enjoy it. And some days, if I'd been up all night or it was draining and I'd maybe get a little bit frustrated and I don't know about you, Nick, but it was easier to go into a game rather than put a coaching session on. And then you'd walk away and see other pe- other teams doing this and you think, well, I'm having to do this because I can't think. My head just can't think. And I found myself going into games a lot, you know, doing a basic session, right, let's go into a game now, and then it would just take it off. And that was like every time I'd had a bad night or a couple of days because my mind couldn't function. It was too busy thinking about other things, mm. you know. I mean, I could, I've, I've, especially now, I think I've just, with regards to training and things like that, I mean, I used to kind of come home and, you know, I'd spend, oh, God, I'd probably spend like a good couple of hours doing a training plan and I'd be sat there writing it all out, documenting it, making sure, and then doing the plan, do a review and everything. Oh, it just come, it just become exhausting. I think more as well, because the kind of people that we are, because we overanalyze as well. Yeah. Um, that's what I kind of found myself doing was picking everything apart and completely scrutinizing my own session. So yeah. I kind of do a session I'd come home, I'd plan to review it. And then when I was doing a review, I'd just, I'd write some little notes and then I'd, I'd just be like, I'd kind of flip my paper away and go, oh shit, crap. Like what the hell was the point in that tonight? You know, you're, you're, and then you'd kind of be like, right, you haven't done them a service there. This is what happens, you know. You, and, and then straight away, then it'd circulate, you know. Mm. Oh, what if they didn't enjoy it? What if they, what if some of the parents didn't enjoy it tonight? What? It's all these things you start thinking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Things, but it's because I think now, especially um, the place that I'm at, especially kind of coaching, I just kind of think we'll have a look at what we need to do. Um, we'll make it fun and we'll have a game. That's it. As long as they're all having fun, I'm not. I don't care. Mm. You know, I want them to develop, and there'll be certain things. But I don't sit there going, right. I'm going to do this and do do all my things, 
you know, I, sometimes I'll do little diagrams and I'll write little notes and stuff, but it'll be like that. I used to write like full pages with diagrams and, and like full explanations of why I'm doing it and everything. I mean, it'd be like two or three pages worth of work. And I'm like, yeah. it's just too much. But it's mm. because you kind of start overanalyzing everything. But I think now I'm, I'm a lot more kind of easy about how, how I coach and yeah. what I want to get is a lot clearer as well now especially from when I first started because uh, obviously kind of being brand new to it and everything before. Um, but again, it was almost like when you're kind of dealing with stuff. See, this is, this is when this kind of argument, especially kind of from a football coach's perspective, when you kind of talk about parents and they've got their, um, you know, the beefs with regards to, I don't know, whether or not the son or daughter's played enough time and stuff like that. And, you know, you aren't doing this properly and you aren't doing that. For for someone who, you know, from the outside looking in, it's easy enough to kind of criticise. But when you start kind of talking about, you're kind of criticising someone who's taking time out of their day to kind of do it for nothing, for, mm. you know, who's, who's volunteering their time. But it's also like... You've got just got to be mindful of of like how you approach people and and what kind of it can do to their to how they feel when they get home more than anything. Yeah. Do you know what you've just said there? I think is a, a really good point because I've had parents come up to me or I've, I've received the texts on an afternoon that you know game time or you're not doing this, you're not doing that, or I've even had you know these coaches, these winner all cost coaches, which you know I have a gripe with, but. You know, they'll come to you, ah, oh, this wasn't fair. And, you know, they're shouting at the ref. And sometimes I've just wanted to just unzip myself and just say, do you know I deal with health anxiety? Do you know I really struggle on the night? Do you know that what you're possibly saying to me now or the way you're acting is going to send me home and I'm going to have a trigger? You know, and then just see what they say. Because the, the winner all important coaches or, you know, the, they don't realise who they're speaking to. They don't realise we could have an issue. Mm. You know, and for one thing, I will say that, you know, as a football coach, it can be lonely at times when a parent messages you and maybe you've maybe been having a bad day and they don't realise that you've got health anxiety and it's going to make it even worse. You know, they're just venting to you because they're frustrated. But you find that, I tell you what, then I'll maybe counteract that and I'll just say, do you know that I'm actually thinking I've got cancer today? You know, and I've often thought about maybe writing that back to a parent and what response would I get back? You know, and it, it's so hard for people to realise. And, you know, looking at there's things like yourself now, who's uh, doing a, the role for us of the, uh, the officer for uh, mental health, which I think is great at Springhead. Um, you know, it's nice that someone is there to talk to. It's nice that someone does care, you know, and... I'd, I'd, I'd encourage more clubs to do it because I don't think there's enough, Nick. You know, that if you think of us alone, me and you at Springhead, yeah, we do stuff. But how many more at Springhead that maybe don't stick their hand up? Yeah. This, you know, is, I, this is why I kind of thought as well, it, it'd just be a, a good thing for two kind of, two blokes, you know, I, I, you know, I'm not saying that kind of like, it's kind of thingy like women and stuff like that. But blokes are crap at sharing. That's that's the truth. It's sometimes it's pride. Sometimes it's just the the, the fearful, the fearful of of what that sort of um, 
reaction is going to be to a bloke turning around saying I'm struggling with these sort of things, you know. Um, but I think for for me, it's it's how many people and how many coaches out there, and and, and not just at Springhead, but all the clubs, you know, across mm-hmm. the UK, across the world, you know, just just everybody's a human being at the end of the day. Everybody's going to have days where they're struggling. It's just sometimes, especially when this kind of mental health and wellness kind of champion came up, you know, I just thought it it's going to be, it'll be a good thing to have because, do you know, what if, what if there's just that one person's like, you know what? I'm really struggling with, with health anxiety. I'm really struggling with, depression i'm really struggling with generalized anxiety i'm really struggling with these things you know where can i get help you know who can help me you know i can start i can you know i can listen to them i can listen to you know to to the to their issues and things like that and if they need signposting then i can give them that you know i can be like right yeah you know maybe you need to get in touch with you know uh, let's talk you know, may, you know, get in touch with, you know, with Samaritans when you've got something going on in your mind, message them, you know, you don't, Samaritans is, to be honest with you, you know, I've, I've used Samaritans a few times, not, not calling because I've always kind of found picking up a phone and ringing used to scare me. Yes. I used to send them emails and you know, when I said, well, fantastic. I must've sent about hundred emails over the last year to, to Samaritans. Just, just when I've had a day where I've felt a bit crap and, I'll just sometimes ring him, you know, just a few little email conversations just to kind of yeah. talk about things. And it, it's it's surprising how much it helps. But it's like you said, Guy, if you can just, if you can help one person mm. by talking about how you're feeling or you can just sandpost one person to get the help that they need, that's yeah. that's the, the that's the biggest win, really, for oh, me. Definitely. I mean, you know, I know footballers... You know, they, these footballers have paid millions. They, they can, you know, get help as quick as they can. But there's people like me and you, Nick, you know, just the waiting process, you know, from self-referring yourself, that big that big word, self-refer, God, you know, suddenly you feel as if you're in the nutter's house, you know, but the self-refer, then you have the assessment and then they, get, they break your heart kind of because they say, well, you know, it's a 14-week waiting, you know, and, Oh, well, how am I going to get by these 14 weeks? Mm. You know, but I'd say to anyone, in them 14 weeks, just speak to somebody. You know, if you can, Dean Winder says a good thing every day. You know, if you make your bed and put your pillows on it, at least you'll go back to a clean bed no matter how, you know, how the day is. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Nigel Atkins, yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen his Twitter talk before he got sacked as Charlton manager. He, you could see he's going through it, but he'd go for a walk. He'd talk, feel positive. And I used to watch that and it used to think, yeah, I can do that. So I also think as well, as well as the internet can be horrible place, if you can just, oh, pick, yeah. you know, if you can just pick a, a few of them, like the Dean Windus one, the, you know, Nigel Adkins, who were just videoing and talking about how they're starting the day, I think it helps you. Oh, definitely. There's so much, the thing is, I always say, so, you know, social media is, it, it can be a, a blessing. Well, it can be a curse, but it can also be a blessing because mm. for some people, you know, I mean, there's, there's, um, there's so many groups that are on Facebook, that are on Instagram, that are on Twitter, that are all there to help people with, 
you know, with mental health and these people who are sharing their experiences, you know, where, you know, they have like uh, discussion forums and little groups to kind of get involved with. And I, I, I think that's brilliant. And that's basically just people taking time out of their day to kind yeah. of go, do you know what? This is a safe space if anybody wants to talk. And, you know, it it's, it's, it's brilliant, really. It's just something... It's just sometimes, obviously, sometimes it's, it's not used for the right reasons, but there's always going to be good and bad wherever you, you kind of look on these sorts of things, unfortunately. No, no, I agree. I, I do agree. And, what well, you know, one thing that always makes me think, and you'll have seen it, Nick, and I'm sure other people listening to this podcast will see it, on a football pitch, you know, I don't think many people give a referee a thought because you've got two opposing sides shouting at a referee, You've got two coaches possibly shouting at a referee and two sidelines. Now, if that referee is struggling with mental health, he's got six voices or six groups at him, you know, and then he's got to go away and deal with his head after that game. And I just think people need to be so mindful of people, you know, mental health. And I just think, you know, Springhead do it. I think other should, clubs should do it. The FA should really just enforce it that, you know, Let's let's get these flags waving that people are struggling and you know people need help because you know you don't know that the, the referee that you're shouting out or the coach you've just text you don't know if he's having a bad day because he won't show it he won't no. show it till till late at night or till he's at home on his own where them thoughts come in. You know, I say I have all I have all the respect in the world for referees because the you know it's a thankless job. I mean, I've I've done it myself. I've ref games and 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 things you know into that nature and. Like you say, at the end of the day, I'd... people probably hear this and, and, and they won't like, but it's it's just a game at the end of yeah. the day. It's just a game. Mm. But for like Kirby always says, the football is more than just football. Mm. It's everything after that. Do you know what I mean? You know, if you're a coach, you're not just there to coach the kids. You're not just there to kind of let teach them football. You're there to be someone who they can look up to, so someone who they can aspire to, someone who they can maybe feel comfortable to 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 voice a concern. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's it's all these different things. You you you're a role model at the end of the yeah. day. You're a, you're a role model for them kids, you know, and you know, like we we always say, mate, don't we? We've got gripes about coaches, we're not all coaches and things like that. At the end of the yeah. day, how their coach is up to them. Um the only thing I would always always look at is you know what are going to be the implications of of of, of what happens down the road you know, mm. you know what you, you you kind of got to look at what sort of thing you know mentality you're breeding within your uh within your club your, your club or your team you know and the reasons you're doing it you know yeah. you're doing it for self-gratification or you're doing it for um to help youngsters you're gonna get you know because I know one thing that the most rewarding thing for me is not winning a game or or you know scoring loads of goals. It's it's watching them all have a smile on the face and you know coming off the pitches laughing and joking and they've got that you know they're, they're all they're all together they're all chuckling. Do you know? It's, yeah, yeah. It's an amazing thing to see just when you see that alone. Yeah, yeah. Never mind, never mind all the amazing skills and the passing that they win and. I mean, I say for me, it's just it's just more than just 
a game. Yeah, I mean, that's what being Kirby like. You know, I don't care if I get beat. It, it, it's not going to spoil anything, you know. The, the lads have tried the best, but you know, at the same time, you you could get beat, and a parent can have a go. You're, you know, I'm at under 16s now. A lad can say to me, "Well, that wasn't a very good team talk," and it's just, you know, there's a trigger, a simple thing. What somebody doesn't realise they've just said or a text, it's just that trigger, you know, to set set your head up and then you just, you could be driving home and see the Macmillan sound post, bang, you're into it. And I just, you know, it's, it's a thing of mindful, isn't it? I'm very mindful now when I speak to someone. Yeah. I'm very mindful what I say because, you know, I could be speaking to someone that is hard and I ain't got a clue. I don't know that one of my parents isn't the same as me. You know, and it's just a case of you just got to kind of not say anything and careful what you say because I know what triggers do to me and you do as well. Yeah. So we're coming to the end of the podcast, Gary. So what I normally say to uh, to all the guests is if you had uh, one bit of advice to give any of the, any of the listeners, um, what would it be? For me, you've got to talk. You've got to... You've got to admit to yourself that something's wrong. Um, you can't deny it because if you deny it, it goes on for years like it did me. You can't tell yourself it's going to be okay because it's not going to be okay. Your mind has two sides to it. It has two chemical imbalances that I've found out. And the one that overpowers is far stronger and you can't beat it. Um, don't be frightened to cry. You know, I've shed that many tears um, you know, and don't think you're not normal because you are normal. It's just a problem. It's just a problem that you know you need to get on with. But talk, you've got to talk, even if you upset someone and you, they might not want to hear that you've just you think you've got a blood cut on the brain or something like that. Just talk because that person just might have an answer or a cuddle for you or a hug or just something you need just to get you by. And I can't stress it enough, Nick. That's perfect, mate. For me, that's, you know, that's always what I, I say. And it's kind of like, them, if you like, it's the slogan of the, uh, the podcast. It's time to talk. It really is. Oh, um, oh go on. Oh, as we do at Spring Ed, just have a cup of tea and biscuits and get Nikki to make it. Yeah, well, that. yeah. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. Or, or a Kirby cuddle. One of them exactly, two. yeah. Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, thanks so much for coming on. As, uh, I, I think uh, I think it were really well received. This with, with regards to being two football coaches, as well. Yeah. Um, but no, pleasure as always, Gaz. And anytime, Nick, I'd uh, I'd be on again. No problem at all. Brilliant, mate. Thanks so much for coming on, Gary. And for everyone else, I'll see you on the next podcast. <laughs>